everybody. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm Tommy. And I'm Matt Shaw, back from the dead. <laughs> you are listening to Just the Basics, where we keep the beat once a week. So we um, last week we talked about the blues scale and gave you some good ideas and some tips on that. And we were thinking about it some more this week, and we are like, you know, there are a lot more types of things like that that are way more interesting than the blues scale. So we decided we'd talk about those this week. Indeed. So, like, obviously everybody knows what their major scale is and everything like that. But did you know there are three types of minor scales, not including any modes? <sighs> Mind blown. Can you even imagine? <laughs> but Can we want to focus mostly minor, on those. But <laughs> we want to focus on... Sadder than ever before. Sadder than ever before. <laughs> well, I guess it depends I on will which keep interrupting you as you we're say talking it. about. <laughs> Like the the sadness level of the minor scales, I guess, depends on which minor scale you're talking about. Because like the last one we're going to talk about today is almost major, so almost. it's almost not sad. So close. I guess it depends on what type of life you live if you think it's sad or not. <laughs> Indeed, and I mean, just because it's minor doesn't mean the song is actually sad. Because Tommy did remind me today that uh, what what song is actually in minor? Um, the song "Single Ladies" by Beyonce. It's it's not actually in yeah, minor, but it's which based is like the happiest song yeah, ever. It's not actually minor, but it's based off a mode of the uh, melodic minor, which is the last scale we're going to talk about today. It's actually based off that, which is really cool. Like, yeah, makes sense why it's an interesting song. It's more than just a silly yeah dance along. Well, like pretty much everybody that I know that doesn't like pop music still likes that song, and. uh I oh, yeah. think that that is why. I think it's because of the scale that it's. I think it's because of the scale that it's based off of, and everything. I think that that kind of changes people's opinion of it a little bit. Oh well, yeah, it's more interesting than just a silly, repetitive. Um, yeah, it's one four six five sort of a song. Yeah, exactly. It's actually got some uh, some pretty cool stuff in there. But we're getting a little bit ahead. Although of ourselves. love on top is much better. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, when you have what, how many key changes is it at the end that they do. I think it's five, it's, but I'm not sure. Yeah, it's something like that, four, five, six, somewhere on that ballpark. I mean, that that song just shows so much incredible vocal range to be able to pull that off. Like, I remember when really we tried fun. to do that, we only did like two key changes because we couldn't we couldn't get our vocals to sing any higher. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. I forgot we tried yeah, it. Yeah, we ended up giving up on it because she didn't feel like she could sing it. But then when we tried to do it in a lower register to start out with, it didn't sound good. Yeah, we spent hours yeah, trying to get it, that song it just, down, it and it work. just never, never worked out. It'd be worth it, but we'd need someone that is comfortable going that high, because every vocalist has their point where they could hit the note, but it doesn't sound good right. anymore. And I can understand. Well, that. and I think for her that it, I, in my opinion, it still sounded good, but I think it just made her feel uncomfortable. And you never want. I mean, you definitely don't want that on a Beyonce song. Yeah, make exactly. Sense. Yeah, if you don't. Oh my gosh, yeah. Because if you screw that up, everybody's going to know it because everybody's heard Beyonce. They're going to all gather around. It's okay, girl. This is supposed to be about woman power. Remember? Yeah. (laughs) Power up and go. (laughs) Break your vocal cords. Oh, man. Well, this podcast is taking a turn. (laughs) All right. Back to skills. Uh, We did want to like kind of preface this that... uh, we're not just going to tell you this is what the notes are in this minor scale, because that would not be very interesting at all. But we more want to talk about kind of like last week, the uh, the way that we like to use the scales and um, 
work towards talking more about improvising, which is both of our passions in music and um, minor skills and using the different forms of it can mix the game up a little bit. And we want to make sure that you know how to uh, use those scales effectively in improvising and you have a full tool set. So um, like we said, you probably understand what a major scale is. If you just walk up to the piano and start with C and keep going up until you end with C, there you Which go. Which would be There's all major. the keys for those of you that don't know what he's talking about. This is true. <laughs> and uh, for guitar players, it's a little more complex. For bass players, same sort of idea. But uh, we can uh, we could go over that, but it would not make a single bit of sense for you audio listeners. So yeah, if uh, you need a scale shape, just Google guitar major scale, and there you go. You'll see what your uh, scale shape is for using that. But we're gonna we're we're gonna depart from that a little bit and talk about minor and how that can help you out a little bit. Because any not, few things sound weirder than when you're playing over a song that's in minor and you just happen to be thinking in major. There's nothing necessarily wrong with using your major scale shape when you're pl- playing a minor song. As long as it's the proper relative key. But um, if you end on a C when you're playing over A minor, that's going to sound mean, a bit weird. It's not terrible. Well, it wouldn't unless you did. You actually followed a 2-5-1 in C over a 2-5-1 in A minor. Yeah, that, that's that's going a little bit too much like you don't actually know what's going on. Yeah, everybody would know because a two five one is such a strong progression. Everybody would know exactly what you're doing. I'm sure someone like Coltrane can make that work in some weird way, but you you'd have to be very purposeful. Yes, you would. <laughs> you definitely would to superimpose a two five one in a different key. Yeah, it's a little. Hmm. You you can do it, but it's not necessarily something I would recommend. <laughs> and. You definitely have to think about it a right, lot. Right, right. And why do that when you can just do things? Exactly. And just wanted to put this out there, too. If you do need help with your major skills, that sort of thing, just contact us. We'd love to help you out. But for the purpose of this, we're just going to assume that you know what that is. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and if uh, you are a starting player on guitar or bass, we most certainly can send you scale shapes. I have three that I no, That's wrong. I have four that I use. Um, and all of them are all that I really need for playing in major. I don't really bother with anything else because that would just be a brain overload. I'm sure that there are more shapes out there that I could integrate if I really wanted to. But uh, four is already a lot. Yeah, exactly. So um, moving on. So getting into it, the first minor thing we're going to talk about is your natural minor, which really, Matt, depending on how you want to look at it, is really just a mode of your major scale. Um, yes. It's just a sixth mode. So your natural minor is like, when people think of a minor scale in pop music, they're pretty much always doing the natural minor scale. So mm-hmm. what that is, is you take your major scale, you make the third note flat, you make the sixth note flat, and you make the seventh note flat, and now you've got your natural minor scale. So if you're thinking like C major, You'd have an E flat, you'd have a A flat, and you'd have a B flat, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. <laughs> wow. Yes, it is. I blanked for a second. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. Um, I'm not used to saying the note names. I'm normally just, I know where they are. 
I feel like the natural minor scale minor scale is is good to know what it is, but it doesn't have a whole lot of extra flavor to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's very um, it's very airy sound to mm-hmm. it. It uh, it hangs out in itself a lot. I think the the awesome thing about it is um, we'll we'll talk about harmonic minor in a moment, but <laughs> uh, natural minor. If you're playing that and you're thinking that way, you can play it just about forever. And um, in in major, a lot of the time, what I end up doing uh, in my solos, as long as I'm thinking straight and not being a dum-dum, which a lot of the time I am a dum-dum, but uh, you avoid the one. So if I'm playing in C, I try to avoid C like the devil. I will not touch that C until the end of the solo because um, melodically, that's um, the, the best way to keep things moving forward. And I can hit C, of course. Like it, It'll happen during the solo, but it has to be in passing. But landing on C is the big no-no. You don't want to hit that until the end, because then no matter what, your group that you're playing with will always know when you're done, because it'll sound like you're done. And That's if you true. hit the one through a run then whatever no one will actually hear that and notice it because it's just part of the idea and you'll hear that in melodies but um if you want to hear an instance where it really doesn't work uh just like write down a song and then maybe six measures in use a whole note c if you're playing in c and then keep going with other notes It, it can all of it can sound like crap. It doesn't matter. But when you get to that C, it'll sound like things are done. And that's the effect that landing on your one will create during your solo. That's true. But if you're playing a natural minor, you actually can sort of hit your your one and obviously don't land on it for several measures straight. That would be dumb and really uninspired. But there's not as much of a uh, need to avoid it because you don't have a leading tone in yeah. anymore. So it's much less final to scoop up into, if you're an A minor, into your A and hit that a couple of times and then move on. It won't sound as final until you end up incorporating the thing that we'll end up talking about yeah, next. That's actually a good point. I was going to mention that is I don't feel when I play the natural minor skater, like if you just play it, it doesn't feel like it stops. It's kind of yep. like the blues scale where it feels like you could just keep going up and up and up and up and never actually finish the scale because it doesn't have that latido, you know, where it feels complete like the major scale does. So I mm-hmm. feel like the natural minor scale is something that's very easy to just forget where you're going when you play it too much because it doesn't have that sense of resolution the same way some of the other things do. Um, yeah, and I think part of that is because, um, like, if you're playing an A minor and you play an A over an A minor chord, the chord is minor. Mm-hmm. So you already are kind of, you're in a mode anyway. You're in Aeolian, as one would say, the six mode. Um, so that lack of finality on just a one major chord, it's just not there anymore. I mean, if you end up playing uh, the five as without a five seven, then you're definitely in a uh, um, 
a lack of finality and you're just out in the abyss of anywhere and you can play for hours. But um, what was I really saying? I kind of lost track of myself there. Oh, no. Embarrassment. But anyway. You, uh, you'll hear a lot of songs that are in minor that they really do hang out on the one a lot. The one chord, one minor chord, or the one note, and it keeps moving forward anyway. And uh, right. that's, a, that's a good thing, just because when you're soloing, it almost takes a bit of pressure off of you in, um, in your melodic decisions. Uh, you have a little bit more freedom to of what notes you're allowed to hit. Um, you don't really have to think about the thing of avoiding the one. You should still consider it your one. Don't hang around it too terribly much. But, you know, it's not going to sound as bad if you keep going back to the one for some reason. Right. Yeah, and it's... the The natural minor... It's just it's a lot of fun to play off of, and I, I really like the sound of it. Um, but it's the same way with all these all these chords, all these shapes, all these um, different scales. Is they all have their own particular sound that you're that when you play them, they 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 feel different than the other ones. And so the way that this feels is just to me, it's a very nice way to kind of sing along with. I feel like it's very singable. But not really final, so yeah. I like to use it to kind of carry me through the middle of a of a solo, but not to finish a solo with. Just because it's yes. kind of yeah. more suited for that sort of thing, I feel like. Like if I'm playing over Fly Me to the Moon, I like playing, it's, you know, it's in the key of C typically. I like playing over the A natural minor part of it instead of playing in C, especially in the beginning because you have, it starts off on that and everything. Um, I feel like it lends well to kind of Start off by that that natural minor. I, I'm getting it. I'm going to get into modes slightly. And I'm sorry. I'm not trying to do this too much, but to start off in that natural minor and then kind of transition it to make it sound more Dorian, based off the by emphasizing that B to C relationship, um, that two to three mm-hmm. in the natural minor, and then kind of using that Dorian to make it a two five one into you know that way you define your key signature really really well. I think it's really cool to do, but I, I don't. I don't end the phrase on that natural minor. It's not going to sound right to my ears to do that. Well, I mean, it makes sense just because um, I know we haven't really talked about chord structure too much. So I'll just mention for those that aren't aware, a, uh, a dominant seven is different from a major seven. So a chord is structured based off of our triad starting out. So if we're C, C, E, G, and then if you go one more third above that, you get your B. If you turn that into a B flat, you now have a dominant seven chord, which is like the crux of a lot of um, progressions in jazz and, well, honestly, a lot of different styles, because a dominant chord always feels like it needs to be resolved and move forward. Right. You never end on a dominant. That would be silly because it just feels like you're out in space and a natural minor scale happens to have that dominant feel because of our flat seven at the top there. And that's part of the reason why it always feels like it's moving forward. We don't even have our our six, our la, because that's a lay or a flat six. Right. And um so we have an even further amount of dominance in the uh in the scale. So it's forever going to feel like it's unresolved. And that's why 
when you're playing in a, a, a minor key for your solos, you, regardless of how the song might be written, you're probably going to want to incorporate harmonic minor. Ah, uh, transitions. Ha ha! <laughs> <laughs> you had to go and call me out on it, too. <laughs> so a harmonic minor scale, it stays um, basically a natural minor, except we raise our seven, so now the scale has a leading tone. We've created more distance from the uh, the flat six to that sharp mm-hmm. seven, but we uh, create a new, a completely new tonality, and um, that is how to uh, create that sense of finality at the end of an improvised solo. And also, it just sounds really cool. <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. So, yeah, and. Like, especially if you're playing actually in a minor key and not just using the minor scale. Uh, because yes. most of the time in a minor key, I don't know if you listeners have ever noticed this, but if you're playing in the key of A minor, such as the song Black Orpheus, the chord progression starts with the A minor, and then you have the B minor 7 flat 5, and then you have an E7. Well, the only way you get an E7 is by having a G sharp. G sharp is the raised 7 in the minor key. so. In order to do that, you have to play the harmonic minor naturally. Ah, that's confusing. Mm-hmm. Not naturally. <laughs> you have to play the harmonic minor. Because otherwise, it ends up you having the flat 7 against the raised 7, or natural 7, whatever you want to call it. And then you end up with some dissonance there that doesn't actually promote any resolution and just causes it to feel uncomfortable. Not that dissonance is always mm-hmm. bad, but... Especially in minor keys, that harmonic minor is typically what you see in pretty much all yeah. modern music. There are a few classical examples I've seen of using the minor five in a minor key. Um, but typically, even then, you'd see a dominant five instead of the minor five. It's a lot more Yeah, I, I feel like, uh, especially in, uh, in jazz, in Latin music, a lot of bossa nova, I mean, that, uh, that one minor two half diminished to a dominant five five seven that is a very 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 common progression you'll see it in um yesterday's i believe i might be crazy on that um no i believe it's in blue bossa i I mean just that two five one is going to be everywhere in general but i mean like specifically the song starting with one two half diminished five seven one that that will happen a lot in bossa nova Mm -hmm. and other styles like that so a lot of the time you are practically forced to pay attention to that uh that five seven because it's not a minor chord it has that raised third in there and that calls for your harmonic minor now it's not the end of the world necessarily if during your solo you end up playing natural minor and you're playing flat seven and you're blah, blah 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 Yes, okay. It'll happen sometimes, but ideally you will want to hit harmonic minor in the moment of the five chord. That's the way to right. um, play the chord tones properly. But uh for the rest of those chords, you can play natural minor and then maybe wait until the end to actually hit that raised third chord tone. Right. Maybe use some chromaticism uh, so that or something. you don't create the leading tone. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can wait until the uh the end of the form to actually use the harmonic minor 
And you can just avoid it a little bit so that you can hold on to that empty space we're just traveling through. Aha, let's bring it around. Now, right. Or you I don't can personally use, always follow that, but it, it that is a way to definitely do it. It is. Or what you can do, I like to do this sometimes, is use that harmonic minor the whole time and create that major minor 7 sound. Or minor major 7. Oh, yeah. So you have your A minor 7 with a G sharp in it as well on the melody note. So you end up with a G, a G sharp, and an A right in a row. It's a little crunchy sounding. Um, well, it's not a little. It's very crunchy sounding. But if you use it in the right context and don't just sit there. I mean, listen, I don't care what chord it is. I am never going to just take that seventh and just decide, I'm just going to play the seventh as loud as I can for as long as I can and see what people say. Because I don't, it sounds weird. It just doesn't, you know, so don't just, I'm not going to just going to sit on that note. But sometimes I will just play that, even though I know that I'm not technically supposed to, because the sound is the sound I'm going for in my melody that I'm trying to create. Mm -hmm. And so you end up with a little bit of crunch in there, but if it's used the right way in passing and everything, then it doesn't feel like it, it it doesn't feel bad. It feels like, that's nice, you know? Because it drives you to that resolution of the one. And you don't always have to use it as a leading tone. You don't always have to go, Tito, Tito. I mean, you don't have to do that. You could do that and then use it to fall down a note, a half step to the natural, or to that flat seven again. Or, Mm -hmm. I don't know, you could use it to go a tritone away just because you want to. (laughs) You can arpeggiate through it. You don't have to always take the lead tone to the one right you can play it in passing just fine yeah exactly um, so and and you can also do the the tito 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 but you have to be very aware of where you put that maybe it's halfway through the form maybe you just have an idea that happens to incorporate that la, da, 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 da. but you want to make sure to use it intentionally because that uh sense of finality is a very um it's a release yeah but um, it's, it's not final. a tension builder. It's a releaser. <laughs> so you want to build the tension before you incorporate that release. And another thing I wanted to mention is a, a, a few episodes back where we were talking about the roles of our instruments and the guitar and the bass and stuff and not getting in each other's way. Mm-hmm. The, um, that's where it is very important that uh, as, a, as you're accompanying someone else in their solo or someone's accompanying you, if they get in your way or basically within your register or just too close to your register, then you're going to take away that player's freedom for being able to play a uh, harmonic minor over your natural minor chord. So that's true. Tommy is playing a, uh, in harmonic minor over an a minor seven and for some reason, I decide to play A minor seven way down in open position with all of my strings ringing out. It's going to sound weird. But if I play A minor seven a lot higher on my neck, way far away right. from his register, then those notes aren't really going to clash. There will be like a quote unquote clash, but it's so far away, it'll right. sound good. Not or you bad. could just voice it. If they're right smack dab next to each other, eesh, that'll right. that will create the little uh, the cringe of having things a half half uh half step away from each other. Right. And you don't really um, want that unless it's on purpose. Right. Or what you could always do is just kind of voice it differently. So instead of playing your full A C E G, 
you could play just the C, E, and G and leave the A out so that way you don't have three half steps in a row. You just have the G mm-hmm. and the G sharp next to each other. It's going to sound a lot more major if you do that, if you don't have somebody playing that A somewhere in there. Um, you know, mm-hmm. but it's an option for you too to try to make it more light. Not, I don't want to say lighthearted. That's not the right term for it. To make it not clash. You I mean you don't want to butt heads with everybody. The whole point of music is to, especially jazz, is to communicate with each other. You got to stay out of each other's way, make each other look good, hide each other's mistakes, and so yep. that way you create a polished product together that works. Because no jazz musician sound like if you just take a Coltrane solo completely out of context. It just sounds like he's playing notes just to play notes, you know, even right, in context. Right. Sometimes I think that, but <laughs> you know, it's, you have to be tasteful about it. Whether you're the one deciding to use that harmonic minor scale or you're the one behind the player who's using the harmonic minor scale, you just have to make sure you're paying attention, keeping your ears open. Mm-hmm. It's just not good to clash like that you know that's why piano players can be infuriating when they uh won't stop hitting the bass notes oh my gosh yeah as a bass player there's nothing that drives me insane more than that like i would rather the drummer not be able to play in time than have the piano player take up all my range it's like sometimes i just want to take a big saw and cut the piano in half right at middle c and say you can only play from here up (laughs) because i've got everything else (laughs) It's true though. Like it, it, it's kind of the same for a guitar player in a way. Like if if the piano player and the guitar player are just getting in the way. Yeah, it's like your range of the piano is like the same. Yeah, yeah, we're we're like right there with each other. And if uh, I mean, I I play in church all the time, so I play with piano players that aren't really they they're not groove based yeah. players. They just they know how to make the piano play the right notes. For the music in church, that is simple. One, four, five is basically it. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, and they're wonderful people. But that doesn't mean that when they play literally the same rhythms all the time, that it is uh, that it's helpful for me playing notes within their range as well. Because if I try to push the rhythm in a way that grooves a little bit more, it can sound terrible yeah so bad Uh, it can be um it even though my groove might be an awesome idea or whatever if it's pushing it too far away from a simple uh rhythm on the piano and they're basically all the same notes when you notate them that is a mess it's a total mess the other problem too i don't think is necessarily just a note choice and the rhythmic choice but the 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 tone choice that they pick if it's an electric keyboard because one thing that's really popular in church music is to do the pads and the pads sound really nice but they're very big and wah 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 and you know they just take up so much space and so because the sound is so thick there's not a whole lot you can do as a guitarist mm-hmm. or a bassist as a guitarist you can play right. swells at that point you know pick a note and make it wah mm-hmm. You know, (laughs) whereas a bass player, you can be like, um, I guess I'll just do nothing else and not pick any other notes because if you try to do anything else, it just doesn't. I say that you should just start uh, slapping like crazy and play every harmonic that you can come up with 
and then kick over their piano. So basically be a gospel bass player? Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see someone in a church, a gospel player, then just run over and boot the piano. Oh my god. you boom. <laughs> <laughs> I did see a play- piano player knock her own piano off the stand once. She was playing so heavy on her left hand and the piano wasn't centered on the stand that she knocked it right off the stand. <laughs> that was pretty bad. It happened during a service, too. Mm. But hey, whatever, it happens. Um, our last scale to talk about is probably my favorite of them because I feel like it's the most interesting. Now, it's not the one I use the most. The one I use the most is the harmonic minor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But this last one is the melodic minor. And this one is just fascinating because there are two worlds that exist in art music, as I would I want to call it, um, classical world and the jazz world. And the jazz and pop world kind of use this the same way. They There are two types of the melodic minor scale. There's the ascending melodic minor and the descending melodic minor. And uh, Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, but the ascending melodic minor, the only thing different from a major scale is your flat third. You have a regular six and a regular seven. Um, but your descending is basically a natural minor going down. Is that right? Or is it a Dorian going down? That is totally right. That's exactly what you need, I think. Let's see. What? Flat three, like... raise six, raise seven. Yeah, going up. Um, yep. And then going down... Is it the natural minor going down, or is it the Dorian minor going yeah, down? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's supposed to be the natural minor going down. Now, that's like a, a classical right, right. rule, um, and not everybody uses it. Sometimes uh, you want to uh, keep it the raised notes, and uh, there's nothing really wrong with that these days, but that is an yeah. old rule, and it does. Uh, it's something that you need to be aware of when you're dabbling in a... Dabbling. Right. Dabbling. Dolby. Dolby is dabbling. Well, uh, dabbling in the melodic minor because if it sounds a little odd when you keep on playing your raised notes on the way down, well, then maybe try your natural minor on the way down and see if that fixes your problem. If you're composing or if you just happen to be improvising all your music in melodic minor and it just sounds a little odd, well, there you go. That might be what you need. Right. And the way I've done it. Like, it was always confusing to me when I was studying this in my music theory classes because we had to, like, compose a melody using the ascending and descending melodic minor scales. And um, it confused me because I could never decide, like, if I wanted to go from a top note down a note and then go back up, I could never decide, like, if I'm just going down to the, if I'm in A, because that's what we've been using, if I just wanted to go down a note and go back up to A, am I, was I supposed to do the G sharp or the G? You know, I could never, I could never decide because I'm like, technically it's descending, but at the same time it's also ascending because you have the G going up to the A. So mm-hmm. I was always confused by it. So jazz players just decided, you know what, this is a bunch of baloney. Let's just keep the ascending one and ditch out the descending one since it's a different scale anyways. And um, then jazz players decided that they're not going to do anything the way it was written originally. And they're going to flip it upside down on its head and start with different notes and create different modes out of it. And then, voila, the Lydian dominant scale, which is one of my favorite scales. Um, (laughs) Jazz players are weird. They just decide that 
the rules don't apply to them and they should do things differently, which I actually really like that. I think you end up with a lot more music, a lot more creativity in your music in a way, in a way not, because sometimes it's best to put yourself in a box and see what you can do with it to force yourself to be creative, especially if you hit like writer's block or something like that, whatever you want to call it. Um, Right, right. Sometimes a little bit too much freedom gives you Coltrane's ascension, pretty much. Um, and sometimes you want to take take a uh, take an experimental box. Like, don't just say, "I would only play in major." Well, yeah, a lot of people do. But if you say, "I will play something that's based off of Dorian," then you end up with kind of blue, pretty right. much. Um, and it, you just use a lot of modes. And um, if you, I mean, honestly, there's some songs out there that are very simplistic that they started with a box. Uh, as far as like church music goes, Revelation song is, I guess, a classic. But that's a song that is written in Mixolydian. Mm-hmm. It's based off the five. It's almost always played um, starting with a G. And, um, but it's the key of C. Right. So a lot of church music. That's is where like you that. get that ethereal sound um, that goes with that song. Right. And uh, it doesn't really do anything that much with it. It's literally just this is a song that is in Mixolydian, technically. Right. But it, it, it doesn't really go beyond that. But it's still a box that was put in that ended up with a very creative product as a result. Right. Yeah. And this, uh, that melodic minor scale is one of those things that those jazz musicians were like, oh, I hear this. I like it. Let's take it and use it for ourselves. And then it ended up opening up a whole new can of worms that really they never even had to touch and they still would have had great music. But it's, uh, <laughs> the, the thing I like about this scale, um, and Matt, you might disagree with me on this, maybe not, but I really like that it sounds minor in the beginning because it's a minor scale in the first four notes, really first four or five notes are all the minor, right. but then it's a major yeah. scale on top. Mm-hmm. Um, the four, five, six, seven, and one again, that's your, my, that's your major scale going straight up it, but mm-hmm. then going one, two, flat, three, four, five, that's a minor scale right there. And I really like that. I just think it gives it more interest to it. It resolves really strong, just like a major key would. And it, like we were saying mm-hmm. earlier in the podcast, minor doesn't mean sad. This is a perfect example of a minor he being super happy because the whole top section of it is major. <laughs> Only minor thing is yeah, one yeah. note, literally. And depending on how you look at it, you could just consider that just to be a blue note, a passing tone, and play your blues scale over it. I mean, I wouldn't recommend that, but you could True. do that, and it would be interesting. You just have to be careful with your leading tones and stuff. But it's... um Right, right. I don't know. I just think it's really cool. Like, I really like to play that scale over Have You Met Miss Jones, which is not really in, hmm. it's not in a minor key. And no. it's not really that modal. I mean, the, the melody, there's nothing really modal about it. Um, but when you play the, okay, uh, I'm getting distracted by modes again. So your your melodic minor. Remember, I mentioned the um, the Lydian dominant scale. So that is the fourth mode of your melodic minor. So if you're in the key of C, 
in your melodic minor. So you have C E or C D E flat F G A B C. If you play that starting on the fourth note, which is F, you have your your Lydian dominant mode. So you end up with a raised four and a flat seven in that mode. So I I really like to play the F Lydian dominant over top of um, Miss Jones, which is in the key of F. And you end up with a little bit of crunchiness there, but it's really cool because the second chord in that is that F sharp fully diminished. And mm-hmm. so when you do that, you end up yeah. with that sharp 11 that you want. You end up with that, which is also the flat five. You end up with that fully diminished seven in there. It's it's just so cool. It's really interesting. So you're, re- you're playing that melodic minor scale just in a different shape. That's all modes are, is just starting on a different note. So it's... Yeah, yeah. I guess it would technically be you're playing your C melodic minor scale over top of the the song, which is in the key of F. Um, I don't know. That that's something I I'm a nerd. That really excites me thinking about doing that. Like that's just a fun one to play. I I, I don't know why. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It's it's a. I mean, the song in general is really fun because it that's has true. a. Uh, a, a Coltrane-ish style of changes in the B yeah, section. Yeah, the B section is straight up Coltrane um, changes, except just slightly out of order. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's that um, style, so it keeps you on your toes. If you uh, like, the A section is straightforward. Um, besides, like the the F sharp fully diminished, but whatever. I mean, you could essentially kind of ignore that when you're soloing. I never do because it's really fun to play over. But if you're a beginner and you just miss that chord. Yeah, well, it's not that it's, of the world. It's just kind of moving there's forward in the progression anyway. Yeah, there's literally one note, two notes difference. You have the F sharp and you have the E flat. Also, it goes by really quick. Yeah. So even if you are thinking about it, it's easy to miss. So there's that. But then the B section comes along. And if you didn't pay attention to that, uh-oh. Oh, <laughs> I remember when we first played oh, yeah. that tune a long time ago <laughs> and everyone in the group uh, we well, all missed everyone the that wasn't familiar with it, which which was like maybe ninety percent of the group was just like, "Oh no, why didn't we pay attention to that part?" Yep. Uh oh. Yep. I think Andy Benton was the only one that hit those changes the first time. I'm sure. Yeah, because he, he would have had to have known it, but everyone else that was there was just like, "Oh boy." Yeah. Because it just came pretty much out of nowhere, and, and I'm if- sure that some of them navigated it well. I don't have a good enough memory to remember what actually happened, but it ended up sounding uh, pretty good once people actually paid attention to what it was supposed to be. Yeah, if I remember right, even Mr. Spencer kind of chuckled a little bit. It, I mean, maybe I'm remembering this completely wrong, and maybe he didn't chuckle at all. But if I remember right, he kind of oh, oh no. chuckled he, a little he meant bit to because do that. he did that song knowing we would all get screwed up because we were all like... We were getting confident at that point. Yeah, and he wanted to put us back in our place. <laughs> yeah, he wanted to throw us a new bone that we weren't familiar with because I think he probably realized that most of the stuff we were playing was uh, pretty straightforward. Probably, and, he definitely um, realized Didn't it. change too much, <laughs> gave a lot of space, blah, 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 blah. And, and so he... He threw that in front of us, and we have a tune with a fairly simple melody. It sounds nice and pretty. Then you hit that B section, and everything goes a little wild. So you have that moment like the piano player on Giant Steps that was just like, whoops. Yep. Well, that song, so the the Giant Steps changes for people that don't, or Coltrane changes, whatever you want to call it, for people that don't know, are probably the hardest set of 
order changes to really solo over. At least for me. They're a pain in the butt. Because it modulates, which is changing keys, like every bar and a half in giant steps. That's the part that throws me off is when it, it because it changes in the middle of a measure. It's not really a normal set of two, five, ones, which I'm fine with and can navigate well. It's feeling when it actually changes in the middle of a measure, which can really throw you off. I'm, I'm definitely getting more comfortable with hearing them. But it does catch you off guard if you're not used to them. It's, if you have no idea what they are and someone's just like, here you go, play over giant steps and you've never heard it before. Yeah, it's it's going to give you a big old boot in the caboose. And they're because not easy. You, um, no, you won't anticipate. Yeah, it. and they're not easy modulations either. So it's not like you're going from C to D flat, which I know that D flat sounds scary, but you're only going up a half step. It's not a big deal. It's going from mm-hmm. it's going a third away. So you're going from um, B to G. And then G to E flat. And um, Mm -hmm. Miss Jones, you're going from B flat to G flat, G flat to D, D to G flat, G flat to F. So the only one of those that's easy is G flat to F. Though I've started to come up with ways, because I play through that song almost every day. I've come up with some ways to kind of bridge the gap there because of my walking bass lines. Um, That's one thing Uh bass players just, you need to learn to walk. Because if you learn to walk, you will, it'll open your eyes to things you never would have seen before. Ways to connect the dots on those things. Like, it's make, like I can solo better now than I could before because I've gotten better at walking bass lines. Because mm-hmm. I know where the chord tones are, I can hear them better, and I can connect the chord tones from one chord to the next so much better than I used to be able to. Um, but that's, we're off on a different subject now that has nothing to do with the melodic minor scale because. That B section, you can't really play the melodic minor scale over that. You just gotta hit the changes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, 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 hold up, hold up. So what, what, what you're saying is, is that before you play those runs, you gotta learn how to walk. <laughs> you gotta walk before you run, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There it is. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll trip and fall. <laughs> what is that? See? How does it Train go? Wreck. Uh, pride comes before a stumble. <laughs> Pride cometh before the fall. Something like that. A hidey spirit before a fall. <laughs> now that, that, oh wow. That's like King James version going on. I there. think it is. It's, it's something in Proverbs. I, I don't know what the reference is, but it's Proverbs. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, terrible memory. Don't remember names. Don't remember dates. Don't remember bleh. No, but you do remember songs. And that's all that really matters in life. Well, yeah, that's all, that's all that my brain has room for. <laughs> There's enough that music and how to play video games. Yeah, it's a scary and probably place, all 150 of the first Pokemon. Oh gosh, <laughs> I bet your mind is a scary place to live in. I kind of feel bad for you. Oh, you bet it is. <laughs> oh man. So how do we even get onto this? Oh, we're talking about Miss Jones because of the A section, not the bridge. The bridge is fun. Learn the bridge, but uh, that has nothing to do with our topic. <laughs> I don't know. I just I think the melodic minor is just so interesting. And um Matt, I was sort of telling you about this earlier, and I don't think you've seen the video yet, but Adam Neely did a video where he did a question and answer and he gets there are a lot of pretentious music snobs out there. And I used to be one. I know you used to be one. And mm-hmm. I used to think that all pop music was garbage. I didn't want to listen to it. Well, 
I've learned since then that it's intentionally simple. It, it, you know, you, sure. you, you want it. It's like that for a reason, but that's besides the point. Um, there's one song though, that oftentimes gets excluded from that. And that's, we talked about earlier that, uh, Beyonce single ladies, Adam Neely did a really good video on this where he got asked a question like, why is single ladies so good when all the rest of pop music is terrible? Yada, yada, yada. So he actually broke it down in a span of like three or four minutes. And it was really interesting. Um, I can't remember exactly which mode it was, but the mode that he came up with based off the analysis of the melody and the chords and the bass line is that it was in a melodic minor mode. I think he said it was in the sixth mode of the melodic minor. I think I can't remember, but either way, cause you, it's really cool. You end up with like a C natural in the bass, but it's in the key of E and so that E is a flat six, or that C is a flat six in there, and it's it's just really, really interesting. So check out that video. Um, I'll share it on my Twitter for people to check it out because it's really, really interesting. It's really fascinating, and so that just proves you know you can take these old concepts like this and you can apply it in modern music today and come up with some great ideas. You know, music theory right. is not just for nerds; it's for people that actually want to make good music. If you know what you're doing, it's oh, yeah, so much easier to make good music if you actually understand why you picked a note you picked. Um, I mean, obviously, there's an element of music that is just all, it's all about what you hear. So if, you know, you hear something, go for it. Or, you know, if something doesn't sound good to you, don't do it. But, you know, if you understand the theory behind it, because the theory Okay, so basically what theory is is just explaining what other people have already discovered. There's no laws behind it. Some people can go in and they'll find science between the relationship between the frequencies and stuff like that, but that doesn't really matter as much. What really matters is Mm -hmm. just it's explaining what other people have already found out. So if you learn what other people have already found out, that saves you so much time. You don't have to waste your time trying to figure it out on your own. Somebody else has already done it for you. So. That's one of those things. I just think it's really interesting. I'm really passionate about that, if you can't tell. (laughs) But that melodic minor scale, it's just so interesting. So, like, the other day, I just sat down, and I just played. I was actually playing that melodic minor over, um, uh, over, what's that song? Oh, uh, Black Orpheus. I just decided to mm-hmm. play it over the whole thing and just see what it sounded like. So I had that raised six and everything. And it's really cool because it kind of gives you a Dorian sound, but also gives you a leading tone. So it's it's all about the sound that you're going for. And that one is just a, it's a really cool sound because you have the minor bottom, but the major on top. And it's just, I don't know. I, I like it. I think it's pretty interesting. You might not, not, everybody might not share my same opinion on that, but it's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. I mean, any new route for playing a, a solo is probably one that is worth taking just to try it out. And um, yeah, and if it fails, I mean, it there's, fails, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, like one thing that uh, you can try is scales that we haven't talked about yet, like incorporating the diminished scale. Mm-hmm. I'm trying a whole tone scale, um, really getting some of your modes in like that Lydian dominant that, that we mentioned. Um, of course modes are all based off of the major scale so you 
sometimes it doesn't work as well as you might think. You really have to uh, think about it as you use a mode because sometimes it doesn't actually do anything at all that's different. You really have to push the boundaries on your melodic ideas to really get used to using a mode instead of uh, just, you know, playing out of a major scale. But you'll get it down. Yeah. Uh, we didn't we really mention what Dorian is, which Dorian is a flat third and a flat seven, but the six is up. Right. And the reason we didn't focus on Dorian as one of our the three minor scales, even though is because it's a mode of the major scale. Now I know technically right. the harmonic minor or the melodic minor, not the natural minor. Wow, the natural minor is a mode, but it's it's more standalone than Dorian. More music is written mm-hmm. in natural minor than was written in the Dorian minor. Though that might not be as true now today as it used to be. Because um, you do see, like, if you see a Dorian, like, over a 251, if it's a 251 in the key of C, you don't want to play your natural minor over that D minor. It just, it doesn't mm-hmm. fit. You lose that leading tone. And you end up losing the third of, because the, the 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 note that would change would be your B natural. So that's your leading tone in the key of C, and it's a strong chord tone in the in the G. So you don't want to play B flat unless you're doing it chromatically, um, just because it doesn't really. I mean, I, you can make it work. I, there's exceptions to the rules, but typically you'll just stick with your Dorian. So that's why I didn't mm-hmm. really focus on that one. I'd say it's more of a um, a flavor to use to get that particular sound. Like I'll use it. Like if you have a um, a C nine chord or C major nine, you can play your Dorian scale over it because you are playing with that nine. It's really it's really interesting. So it's just there's so many cool things about music. It is it's just a world of like never ending possibilities. Right. Um. Like and Matt, you mentioned like the whole tone scale. Well, you meant the diminished scale, but there's the whole tone scale and stuff like that. Those are things I think we should do an mm-hmm. episode on pretty soon. Here, it's stuff that I'm still yeah, working yeah. to try to get into my playing. Though I'm not very good at using those scales. Like they're super interesting, but they're they are really fun to throw in there. Like I I love the sound of a diminished scale. Mm-hmm. It's um, well, one of my favorite scale sounds as far as the scale goes. Like, but um, you definitely want to uh, get used to the shape and get used to where that can actually go because you can't just throw it left and right. right. Like the Minish scale over dominant chords is really cool, but for me it's just getting used to pull, actually getting my fingers around it and trying to use it tastefully because if you guys can't tell, I get when I get excited about something, I get really excited about it and then I can't stop using it. So like that Lydian dominant scale, mm. when I first learned that was a thing, I tried that over everything i don't know if you remember right. that matt like we'd play fly me to the moon and i'd try to do the lydian dominant scale over it it doesn't really work but i tried it because <laughs> it was a new thing and it was just fun so that's one thing that's one thing that i need to work on personally too is not being like consumed by the new toy that i learned how to play you know <laughs> mm. but at the same time you learn it faster if you play it all the time um all right, well, we'll save those. We'll go into more detail about those later on. Um, Matt, do you have any listening rec- listening recommendations for the week? 
I do, except I want to double check their uh, their actual name because I don't want to say it with the wrong vowel in their name. So give me just one the wrong, second. How would you say it the is wrong vowel? okay? <laughs> well, I don't know what you're going to well, say. Well, it so. was rather Skittle, or uh, which wouldn't make sense why they would call themselves Skittle because then there'd be a little bit of a, uh, a little copyright infringement um, going on issue there. with with yeah yeah. So their name is Skaddle. Skaddle. So, do they very scat close to a that. lot? Yeah. They really caught my eye with their album art, and sometimes I'm a sucker for cool album art, but they really do have a cool sound. It's very electronic, so it's kind of another recommendation along the lines of Disaster Piece, and don't worry, I'll I'll get into other kinds of music, but I feel like these are groups that are a bit unappreciated, and um, Skaddle has really cool ideas as far as that style of music goes, and um, I do believe that they just released an album yet yeah. uh oh okay that was in 2018 but it was called bravado and um i think they released a single or something because they just showed up in my recommendations and such and uh so i really like their sound and um they have interesting ideas and don't just use typical drop the bass sounds as far as an electronic sound goes which is not what i enjoy so please tell me they use vocoders and scat you know, I might have to disappoint you on that one. No, <laughs> that was like the perfect chance for them with that name. I think that they are like 100% instrumental, but I haven't listened to every single song that they've done. I just know that their singles have caught my ear okay. and I have them in a playlist that I listen to sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I I love the creativity of the sounds that they use. Because when I say sounds... I don't mean like the style of music. I mean that literally the synthesized sounds that they use. Right. It's not your typical uh, lead synth and pads. Okay. Uh, it's it's more interesting than that. But they they might have some vocoding stuff. It would make sense with that, with that name. name. I mean, come on, you don't even have to. I, like, I, I can't I can't tell you because I don't know every song known to man. man that that would be like <laughs> I'll a do huge some research. Opportunity. So if you're listening, Scattle, you got to do that. It'd be a huge missed opportunity with that name. I mean, come on. How could you, how could you not do that? <laughs> Just shoot us an email. I'll record a vocoded yeah, scat. I mean, I'm not even like a good singer, but I can make it happen. No. I'll send it to you. You do all your cool stuff. I mean, the vocoder, you don't really have to be a good singer. You just got to have ideas and be able to play them on your keyboard. <laughs> I'm good at vocoding. It's fun. It is fun. It's really fascinating. Solves like, my issue um, of uh, stage fright with singing. Like, have you ever heard of... Um, <laughs> Nathan East has a song on his newest album. Well, not his newest album. Wow. On one of his albums called Daft Funk. Because he played in the band Daft Punk. And uh, he has Mr. Talkbox come in on this album, or on this tune. I do remember that one. Yeah. I, I can't so remember Mr. what it sounds like, but I listened to it a ton. Yeah, it's it so fun. cool because you have like this great bass player. And Nathan East, he's known for just basically all studio stuff, but he also is kind of like a smooth jazz guy. He played with the band Foreplay in the 90s, which I love that name, mm-hmm. F-O-U-R. I, I just think that's such a mm-hmm. funny play on words. Um, but anyways, so you have like this smooth jazz bass player playing with this electronic sounding, like, well, of course, you have the vo- the vocoder on top of it. It's so cool. It's 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 awesome. Yeah. Nice. It's a ton of fun. Um, I was actually going to go a different route this week than I have in a while with our um, with my recommendation for the week. Um, I was going to say, so what we should, I want to 
plug a band that I actually went to college with all these guys, and they're currently looking for a drummer. So if you play drums, you should check them out. Um, but the Vegan Llamas. Um, ah. Those guys, they're very interesting musically because, first of all, they're a hodgepodge of different stuff. I mean, their piano player is a great right. classical player, but he plays the, the guitar when he's playing with them. Their guitar player is from, I think he's from North Carolina, something like that. He's mm-hmm. one of those, uh-huh. like, he, he's a really good electric player. He, the dude can shred, but he also is a great banjo player. So, like, he's kind of got those, like, country roots in there. Their drummer, they've had several different drummers. They're kind of looking for a full-time guy. And then the bass player is just a good, solid guy. He can lay it down and play really well. So you get you have, like, this really kind of, like, kind of eclectic mix of personalities that show up in this group. And um, they I've played with all of them. They're great guys, and they, ha- they do a lot of fun stuff, like, with different time signatures and odd meters and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, their music is not always my favorite just because i'm more of a jazz guy than like that heavier style music they tend to play they do play heavier stuff but they also have really pretty ballads and that sort of thing but they're Mm -hmm. i'm just not into real heavy music too much but they're one band that i can listen to partially because i know them but also i just i really like their mix of different time signatures and that sort of thing it's pretty interesting it's a uh a fun sound sweet so yeah, look them up. The Vegan Llamas. Um, I don't know how they came up with that name. But yeah, look them up, especially if you're a drummer, because they're looking for somebody. <laughs> yeah. I, they, I mean, if since they're looking for a full-time drummer, they must be doing pretty well. I know that they've gone out and they've... Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd imagine it. They've got one record out and they've got two singles out. Um, I know that they play... They're based out of Richmond, I think, right now. Um, and I know they've, they've opened up for some pretty big name bands up, up at Liberty and everything. So yeah, they're pretty good. Um, well, thank you guys for listening to this week. I, this one, um, if it sounds disjointed, I'm sorry. Um, doing my best in the editing. We're having some issues with the, uh, the discord app cutting some of the audio in and out. And so we're recording locally, but sometimes it's hard to keep the conversation going smoothly when it cuts out and now you're trying to like, okay, what question did I ask? Okay, let's ask it again and see if we get a natural response. And, you know, so if it sounds a little choppy, sorry, we're working on that. Um, We need an alternative, but we'll figure it out and get it much better for you guys. Yeah, exactly. We're on the right track. I think Um, we've got some ideas, so hopefully it'll start to get smoother because um, we've been having this problem for a couple weeks now and it's starting to really irritate me. Um, <laughs> but anyways, thank you for sticking it out with us and listening. Uh, if you have any questions or anything, you know, please reach out to us or if you have any comments, night remarks, whatever, we'd love to hear from you guys. I think it's, I don't know about you, Matt, but I'm personally really enjoying seeing more people listening to it and seeing the view counts go up and, Hearing, I've heard it makes me feel interesting. Yeah, and I've heard stuff from some of some <laughs> people that I know about that listen to it, and I just think it's really cool. Because um, Matt and I, we're both really passionate about music, and we want it to be accessible for people. Like music theory can be really hard, but we want to make it as simple as we can and easy to understand. So, 
If you know somebody that's really interested in this sort of thing, please share it to them. Or if they even just want to learn, please share our podcast. We want to help teach more people how to um, how to be better musicians just by learning just the, the basics, just their music theory and building foundations on top of that. So it's really important to And us. have some awesome discussions with you guys. What'd you say? <laughs> Has, just have some good discussions with you guys, even if it's, you're stupid. And then we say, no, you're stupid. And you say, no, you're stupider. And we say, okay. Yeah, right. We'll, we'll argue <laughs> with you in the comments. We don't care. No, <laughs> no, but like, and we, we have a blog, so it's on tommybowls.com slash blog. And so we post on there every week. And so if you like it, comment on there or share it with your friends, you know, if you don't like it. You don't have to, but of course we, we would appreciate it if you do. So, um, or email. No, they us. have to like it. They're not allowed to dislike it. They have to like it. I don't know how someone couldn't like it. Mostly because I wrote most of them. I mean, (laughs) it's us, you know. (laughs) Um, What you trying to say? What you trying to say? I don't know how somebody could just not like us. I mean, I think we're interesting. So I might be a little bit biased. (laughs) Me. Man, that's too funny. So also you can email us on there. I have a submissions link. You can click on there. Um, if you've got music that you'd like us to listen to, go, go ahead and uh, submit it on there. We, we'll take a listen for you. Or if you want to be on the show, you know, you, you have some opinions and you want to give a good interview with us, let us know. I'd love to have, we want to have guests on the show. So if you know somebody that wants to be on there, or if you want to be on there, or you suggest somebody that you want us to try to get, let us know. Yeah. If you got your own music, then you can get a plug. Yeah. And people will hear it and would love to talk to you about your stuff. Exactly. We'd love to know, you know, how you, we want to know all about everything music. Your, what was your creative process? All that good stuff. So let it, let us know. We want to be involved with our listeners as much as we can. Are you a SoundCloud mumble rapper? Well, what style of mumbling do you achieve? <laughs> a mumble rapper. How do you choose how to mumble? Do you use the, uh, the auto tune as a crutch? You might not be our favorite person. <laughs> do you darn kids use that auto tune over there? <laughs> Get off my lawn with that vocoder. Oh my gosh. That's too funny. Anyways, yeah, just reach out to us. We want to be involved with our listeners as much as we can. So, again, thank you guys for listening. Um, We will see you guys next week. We're keeping the beat for you here. See ya. And this time, I can actually say goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. Hello. Goodbye. Hello. Hello. All right, see you guys. We're out. (laughs) Bye-bye.